What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing out there? Man, it's so good to be back in here talking to you guys today. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good night. Whatever time it is that you're tuning in to the Soapbox, I want to thank you and I really appreciate you coming out listening today. Man, it feels so good to be alive in America. You just don't know how blessed we truly are. So, with no further ado, we're going to kick on into this episode and get started with the enlightenment. So, sit back, relax, and let's jump in. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into the meat and potatoes of the series called The Clan. Now, before I start talking about the beginning, I want to kind of clear up a few things and maybe kind of get some good understanding out there for a couple things before we move forward. First thing I want to say, I really appreciate all of the conversation that has developed from the original episode. I've had a lot of questions. I've talked to a lot of people that were involved in the situation. Um, A lot of things have sparked just from that first episode. So I hope and I pray that that trend continues because the main goal of this is to wake people up and enlighten them on the dangers that are associated with this type of action and organization. Now, I want to make sure people understand something. This episode is called The Beginning of It All. So you have to make sure that you kind of set it in your mind that you are talking about a 13 to 14 year old young man. So don't look at this situation from the premise of where you stand now or what you understand now. Because if you do, then the questions that are always going to pop up in your head is how was that possible? But if you take yourself and put yourself in the shoes of someone that is transitioning from junior high to high school and the thought processes and actions that are taking place in that person's mind in their bodies the the whole physical transition the mental transition the spiritual transition the emotional transition that is happening at that phase in a person's life then you have to be there in order to truly understand or at least try to sort of capture how things began now i want to throw a couple other layers onto this situation one my father was not in the picture during this time frame i mean he was there um but what he was not was he was not prevalent in my household so anybody that knows uh anything about me understands that i am huge on family and fathering and parenting and i'm all about my kids and and that's for a reason because i know that when that that gap is there then it opens the door for other influences to come in so for one you've got a 13 year old 14 year old young man transitioning from the uh the 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 shelters of junior high to the unknown of high school and then i did not have a solidified father figure now i will say i also i did have my grandfather um i did have my uncles and i also had uh some some guys that were in my family uh that knew me well my old martial arts instructor uh who really wasn't wasn't that big of a uh a part of my life but he was somebody that i could have reached out to and 
also, uh, I had some cousins uh, who were really close to me at the time. So I did have those elements in there, but nothing's like that driving force. Now, I wasn't a jock, so I, I want everybody to understand that. I wasn't one of these guys that was out there playing all kinds of sports. I had two sports that I really engaged in. Uh, I engaged in football, and that was very short-lived, and I was a wrestler. The reason why I was a wrestler was because I was a martial artist. That They kind of go hand-in-hand. Hand. So I was I wrestled, and I wrestled, and I loved it. I wrestled from sixth grade. I started wrestling in sixth grade, and I wrestled all the way through junior high. And my ambition were to wrestle all through high school and get a scholarship to go off to college and and possibly do big things in that sport but beyond that I was not involved in all of the other sports activities that were going on in school. Now, I want you to make sure you remember that because that's a key part of some of the transition and changes that happened later on. Um, so, yeah, I had a really, really big ambition in wrestling. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, my coach at the time, actually, I had two coaches. I'm not going to call their names like I told you. I'm not going to use names uh, inside of this unless somebody says that they're open and willing for me to use their name. But I had two coaches at the time that were great coaches, uh, Coach p and coach h and they had all kinds of faith in my ability to go further in that sport so i wasn't a jock um i wasn't the pretty boy i wasn't the guy that all the girls was chasing so i didn't have the fame and all of the uh the accolades that a lot of the people had that were in the school so i was somewhat not completely but somewhat of an outcast all right so let's let's kind of put that layer into the process so then another thing that that i want to make sure that we're clear on before i start this story is that uh I've, I've got conversations and communications with people. And a lot of times people are asking me about the belief aspect of why I was involved. And I want to, I want to make sure I point out a couple things and I'm not taking shots at anything that anybody believes because I have my own faith based practices too. Even now, even after the situation I was in, I stand firm on the fact that I consider myself a Christian. Well, of course you all all know that Christianity has its own beliefs that are inside of it. Um, there are many of you out there that are listening to me that are Christians as well or other things. And I'm not here to assault your individual beliefs or your faiths. All right. But I want you to make sure that you eliminate the question of why I would have believed anything that this guy said if he made a good enough case for it at the age of 13 and 14. Because those of you that are like me, that are Christians, we believe some things that are pretty far-fetched in the natural mind as well. For instance, we believe that a man walked on water, that he was birthed from a mother with no human male interaction, that he not only raised other people from the dead, but he raised himself from the dead, and that he ascended from this earth to heaven to be with God the Father. Now, we believe all that, and we're grown people, all right? As a matter of fact, we raise our children to believe that, because that is our faith. There are some of you out there that are a part of all kinds of different religious walks, Buddhism, Taoism, Hinduism. Uh, some of you have your own spiritual setup. Some of you believe in spirituality on a level that has nothing to do with religion. You believe in haunted houses and the ability to be uh, possessed in spirit. So if you, at whatever age you're at, 
can believe what you believe, then don't for one second in your mind have any question about why a 13 or 14 year old or anybody else who was associated with this organization believed what they believed at the time. So that's something that we need to make sure is clear as we move forward. All right, so I've eaten up a lot of time so far, so we're going to keep on pushing forward. All right, so the early years, um, the very beginning was nothing like the middle or the end of this situation. Um, I, I know I've said it before, and I really, really stress it a lot because in large part, I really feel somewhat responsible for the beginning of the growth because I remember my last day of eighth grade like no other day. Uh, I got out of school. I walked up the sidewalk heading to McDonald's along with a large crowd of people. And that very same day, I got into a fight about a quarter, quarter of a mile up the road from the school. I never forget that day because that day I engaged in a physical confrontation with the guy simply because I wanted to help another guy that was in the middle of a fight. So I want you to look at that premise. You've got two guys fighting another guy jumps in i jump in now i had no vested interest in this fight whatsoever and to be honest with you the guy that was getting beat up or getting jumped so to speak he wasn't really like a huge friend of mine you know but in my mind i thought this is my chance to do something that is going to give me some type of credibility amongst the young people that are there watching. This was my chance to kind of validate myself. And honestly, I mean, I kind of took advantage of the situation because I had been training in martial arts since I was five. So there wasn't, a, I didn't have any doubt in my mind that I was going to lose this fight. I just knew that this was my chance to jump in the middle of something, make a big scene. And this would be the point where people would actually have some type of understanding hey this is tj this is his defining moment now if you don't think that 13 and 14 year old kids do that then you need to pay more attention to your kids because they're always trying to validate themselves and they're always trying to build themselves up and connect to something that gives them fame and recognition amongst their peers all right it's, it's a young person thing okay really in all honesty it's an old person thing too if you look around to some of your people that that work with you or are a part of your life on a daily basis many people are steadily trying to validate themselves every day so i get into this fight and uh the fight gets broke up police get called all of us scatter i go towards mcdonald's uh with some of the guys that were around and everybody kind of goes their own way so when i get up to mcdonald's one of the people that was with me says hey there's that guy and i'm thinking what guy are you talking about they're like the guy the the ninja guy so i'm asking who is he and i'm moving around trying to see it because i'm trying to figure out what's so special about this guy and i see him and when i see him it's almost like he's bigger than life you know you you ever met somebody that you almost felt like they just can't this person just can't be real like there there has to be some type of 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 change or or deceit going on because because there's no way this guy is real now when i met him i met him at his pool hall not at mcdonald's mcdonald's was just the first time i saw him and when i saw him 
to describe him, of course, now you got to think I'm 13. So I'm looking at this guy who is obviously, obviously failed a few grades of, of school. So clearly he ain't in the right grade. But when I see this guy, he's probably twice the size of most of the people that's there. Uh, pretty stocky build and a very, uh, very, I don't know, a very distinguished, but yet weird, odd, different aura about him. So I made my mind up that day that I was going to find him and I was going to try to learn from him because I had heard so many stories about him since then. You know, after the McDonald's situation, I tried my best to find out what I could about this guy. Who is he? You know, well, he's a ninja. That's what that's what the, the word throughout the whole area was. All the kids that knew him, was like, oh, yeah, he's a ninja. He, he just moved to this area. And, you know, we don't really know a whole bunch about him, but we know that he, he, can, he can kick and he can do this. And, do and apparently he had some episode at the high school where he was in the back breaking bricks during the uh, the agriculture class or really impressing people with the stuff he was doing. So now it wasn't too hard to find him because his dad owned a pool hall in town. Uh, as a matter of fact, all of this is new. You know, I didn't know anything about any of this. I didn't know anything about him because he just moved to the area. I didn't know anything about the pool hall because it had just opened. So his dad owns a pool hall. So I make it a point to make my way to this pool hall. And of course, during this time, I wasn't alone because it was myself and it was also my brother, uh, T. Uh, me and him are, are today two of the closest people that can ever be. We've been through so much together and we went through this situation hand in hand. And um, we, I mean, I love him. He loves me and we look out for each other on a regular basis. And I really, really feel, I really feel responsible and sorry that I sort of dragged him into this because as children, we did so much together. And and let me, let me, let me make sure I, I stress why I'm saying what I'm saying, because T is not my biological brother. We just grew up together from babies all the way up. I mean, we shared everything, food, clothes, homes, uh, in grade school, we chased the same girls. I mean, it was, it, it, it really was me and him throughout my whole life. So he is as close as you can get to a person period, like even your own blood to me. So I feel somewhat responsible for pulling T into this situation because I know that a large part of why he was a part of this group and sucked in was because of me. So I went to this pool hall to meet this guy and I meet him and, and, and we are, we are talking and I'll never forget our first few interactions. And see, he always tried to use some type of mental manipulation to bait you to do whatever it was that he wanted you to do. And he would always say stuff like, uh, well, I've been training all my life. I don't know if I'm ready to, to start teaching anybody or instructing anybody. Um, but you seem like you would be a good student. And, and it was, it was like you, you're making me feel good, but at the same time, you're kind of trying to dangle me out there on that hook so that I bite. Well, day one, I met him day two. I made my way back to that pool hall. And on day two, he had already decided that he was going to start training me to be a succession 
of his own legacy. So now, in a, in a day's time, you know, the day before, he was spending so much time talking about how he wasn't ready to train anybody. He wasn't ready to teach anybody. He didn't know if his master or his uh, instructor would be willing to back him training anybody. And then the following day, like less than 24 hours, he was already ready to teach and train me and turn me into his his shadow, his his protege, so to speak. And he did not go back on his word because from that day on, he made sure that he put countless time into training me physically, altering my mentality, introducing me to all types of different spiritual practices. He was definitely investing time into making me what you could just, you had to consider a vessel. And see, what made this situation really, really dangerous is that I was so, so open to his instruction. I was literally biting at every single word that came from out his mouth. So every single day I was at that pool hall, I didn't go anywhere else. Every now and then I would go and visit family. Every now and then I would go and visit maybe somebody that I would consider my friend. But for the most part, I was always up there. And for the better part of a complete year, I was really his only student. Now, there are others that kind of came into the fold, but they came in just a tad bit behind me, which gave me more time to train, more time to be proficient at what he had me thinking. And so that made me an extension of him. So now I'm not just a student. Now I'm actually the arm. So if there's something that he wants to uh, elaborate on, he focuses on me. And see, he didn't call me TJ. See, once you joined the clan, you had to take on a name. And that name was given to you by him. And a large portion of that was his way. And anybody who's inside of any cult will tell you, or any group will tell you, any gang will tell you, that that is a method to attempt to erase your identity, so to speak. So he gave me a name and he called me Ish. And that's short too for the entire name. And everyone else, he would sort of use me like a trophy, you know, because I was legitimately tied in. So he would say, look at Ish. What's Ish doing? Talk to Ish. What do you think he's doing? How do you, don't you see how he's handling this situation? And I became an icon inside of this developing destructive situation. But I was sold. I was in. I had the attention I wanted. I was promised elevation and actually saw it happening. See, that that's another thing, too, that you have to be so cautious about with your kids because sometimes, even in the most negative circumstances, they can see progression. And sometimes people confuse progression with positivity. You can be a good criminal. I don't know if people know that or not. You can actually get good at the craft of doing bad things. And I got really good at what I was doing. All of the, the martial training that he was giving me i got really good at that because i dedicated time to it every single day i was in there training hours and hours and hours a day and it wasn't normal training it was harsh some days i had to fight him knowing that he was going to destroy me on that floor and, and let me let me make sure i set the stage on that too Throughout our course of this situation, we had a lot of physical training. But any time that we went physical uh, sparring against each other, 
There were no pads. We didn't get no little uh, breastplates to guard ourselves and guard our chest and shin guards for our legs and all that kind of stuff. We didn't get any of that because he said that that was a sign of weakness. And we had to develop our bodies to be temples strong enough to endure any type of physical uh, pain or suffering. So we hit each other full force. The only real requirement that he had was that we did not hit each other in the faces on purpose. But trust and believe, a lot of us got hit in the face on a regular basis. But we had to deal with that. So at that early stage, it was me and him. And he taught me how to use uh, the Japanese sword, which is called the katana. And what we did was we went out and we we built bamboo swords off of bamboo off of bamboo trees and i would train with him and i would go home with whips and bruises and and cuts all over my body because the whole time this guy is stressing the fact that he's this skillful all powerful martial arts master but he had little to no control over what he was doing now me at the time i'm thinking in my head well this is just a part of the training he's hitting me like this because this is what i have to go through what i have to endure to become stronger to become better and the sad part about it is is like i said before I did. So every interaction with him was rough when it came down to training. I'll never forget. Uh, he had, we, we were all trying to become very flexible and I know I'm jumping ahead because I haven't introduced people yet, but we were all trying to become more flexible because he said that we had a requirement that everybody had to be able to do uh full splits. Uh, we had to be as flexible as possible. We're supposed to be able to stand in one spot and kick directly up in the air. So there's a guy that was a part of the group. I'm not going to call his name, but his, but his name begins with a K. So we're just going to call him K and, uh, K was probably the closest person to me in joining this situation. Now, my brother T would have been, but T came into the fold and then T got stripped away because T's mom wasn't really trying to allow him to be as free moving as I was. That was probably a good thing because I got sucked in a little bit deeper quicker than T did. But this guy K, oh man, me and him ended up being the the two pupils that were at the top of the fold but k was not as hungry as i was k wasn't as as quick to grab on to things as i was so k became what i would consider the demonized student for a while and his flaws were harped on by sifu and he ended up getting a lot of of brutal treatment so i remember this time when we were all trying to get flexible and we were trying to work towards being flexible in in this process and k was having a hard time doing splits he was having a hard time being flexible i think that his body wasn't as susceptible to the stretching as any as as anybody else and i'll never forget the days when the master with the 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 seafood would just come in and just push k i'm talking k's in in the most vulnerable position he can possibly be in legs spread wide open anything could rip at any time and seafood would just come in and just push him down and 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 k would just scream from pain and you could see it in his eyes that you know tears were, were 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 coming down and and he felt horrible you know i mean this is he's a he's a man he's a young man but he's still a man and his his growing area is being ripped apart by this guy pushing him down with no care 
Because all he's saying is, oh, you'll be fine. You'll be okay. And there's tears coming out of this guy's eyes. And what makes it even worse is that me and a guy named D that you have not heard about yet, his brother D, we're looking at this and we say and we do nothing. As a matter of fact, we go on to make K feel like he's less than anything by not weathering this situation and drying up those tears. And this is the very beginning. I mean, this is nothing compared to the pains that are to come. We were kids back then and we used to like to at least try to engage in what was going on because we saw we went to school every day so we saw what other kids were doing so this is ninth grade year now we're i mean i'm fresh in the ninth grade uh k's behind me but he's coming um d is behind me and his brother is behind him so we're kind of getting into the the whole mold of this this school deal but we're we're we've spent the entire summer training under seafood so ninth grade the beginning of ninth grade i'm showing up in ninth grade now you got to think my mom didn't have a whole lot of money so she wasn't out buying me designer clothes and designer shoes and anything like that but seafood gave me everything he gave me boss jeans and back then boss was was it was in he gave me boss jeans he gave me shoes to wear uh he gave me tommy hill figure shirts to, te- to wear to school i mean that's the stuff that i was looking at everybody else wearing and now i get to wear it because my seafood has provided that for me doesn't matter that on every other day he beats the brakes off of me doesn't matter that every day he mentally destroys the way i think that doesn't matter but he's making me relevant in this school so we're going to school and this is ninth grade year but i'm paying more attention to how sifu operates than how i need to operate in the school now let me make something clear sifu was all about elevating yourself the problem was was that sifu did not respect the normalcy of high school education regular schooling or college he felt like you needed to train all the time you needed to study but you only studied things that were relevant to you becoming a better clan member now let me say this that philosophy warps as this story continues but right now at this point me in ninth grade and sifu in 10th should be a lot higher but he's in 10th grade i'm going to school and i'm watching him and i'm monitoring how he does things and sifu's not doing homework sifu's not really paying much attention in class so of course i mimic this action because i'm more focused on training on the seafood than i am anything else so needless to say my ninth grade year was a bus i failed epically out the gate first grade i ever failed in my life and sifu's response to that was that education is not gonna make you a better clan member it's not gonna make you a part of this organization the way that you need to be so now you have to understand the full premise of the organization too so when i first met sifu and he was talking about who he was and what he comes from so his story was he was forced to move to south carolina from maryland because of the fact that he had he beat up five or six guys and the option was either leave or go to prison so his dad decided to bring him down to south carolina but before he came to south carolina when he was in maryland he was living with his instructor now the name that he uses for his actual instructor is ashita kim now ashita kim is a real live instructor 
of ninjutsu. You can look him up now. He's got plenty of books. Um, of course, this is the name that he used as his direct instructor. And he said that the format was, was that Ashita Kim was a part of an organization that was bigger than the location that he was at. Now, let me make this clear. One, after our research later on, of course, we found out that he had absolutely no dealings with Ashita Kim at all, ever. That's the first thing. Secondly, I doubt very seriously that Ashita Kim even had anything going on in Maryland. So that's just another thing. So we have to make sure that we understand that we're not here to destroy anything dealing with this individual all right because he has his own legacy that is legitimate and intact and he is by no way shape or form involved with the negativity that this man that this dude that i call sifu has going on wherever he is at this present moment so but sifu said that the way things went was he was a part of a larger group they call themselves naiko naimi now that was supposed to be a japanese word for this organization and anybody that was a part of this organization was filtered under it and what they had to do was they had to develop their own subdivision which would be what they called a clan and they were a clan of ninjas but not just any type of ninjas but the type that were all about righteousness they were all about cleaning up the bad all about focusing on dealing with issues in the world and solving problems basically champions for justice in my mind that's like a at the time that's like a modern day everyday regular power ranger i mean think about it that is the stuff that kids dream of what 12 year old at that particular time 13 14 year old does not want to stumble upon the ability to be a day-to-day superhero and i'm not talking on the level of really running out here and doing the things that you see in comic books but i'm talking about somebody that's a contributor that was a fact so sifu says that there's a format to this there's a structure to this so he decides that our structure is going to be the same way so we had to have five members because of course he said where he lived at the clan that he was a part of which was directly under ashita kim had five members it had him it had another guy it had a female it had two other guys but they were younger five members now sifu also said that he was madly in love with the other female member he called her Koriko and Sifu and Koriko were in a deep relationship madly in love with each other and I'll never forget that he had so much emotion when he talked about how he was driven from Maryland you could see that he was hurt he didn't want to leave and he said that he lived with his instructor that his grandfather was the one who introduced him to Ashita Kim and that he spent all of his childhood training under Ashita Kim in Maryland at the dojo while at the same time going to school and doing everything else that he was supposed to do not with his father not with his mother but with Ashita Kim so then he got pushed down here so schooling was not a priority of his he preached wholeheartedly about self-elevation but never to the point of organized education not until later so during this process we were banned from a lot of things we were banned from being able to go to football game because we went to one one night me 
K D. We went to we went to a game one night and it was really foggy. And I really truly believed that there was somebody burning something in the area. So when we got back to Sifu, we told him about the fog that we saw in the air. Sifu said that we couldn't go to any other football games. As a matter of fact, we couldn't go to any other sporting events just for leisure. Because by us training under him, we were developing into beacons of spiritual energy. And there are people out there who would hunt down our energy, kill us, and take it. So we had to be very careful about what we did and where we went. So that was the beginning of our monitoring. Because at that point, now we're starting to let go of some of the elements of our childhood. But ninth grade went and came and went. And 10th grade came. I mean, I was still in the ninth grade, but it would have been my 10th grade year. And in my 10th grade year, things kicked up a whole lot. We had changed out a few members, moved into a situation where uh, there were much more physical elements. This is my second year in. And there was a, a guy that was a part of the group. His name was Jay. And there was a female that we had introduced to the group. We're going to call her H. And Sifu seemed to have had some type of really, really deep belief in everything H is saying. I don't know if he had some type of particular interest in her or he wanted things to be more than what they were because he was always preaching about him and Corico. So he would have had to have done whatever he did in the background if he was actually interested in this female. But H came to us and she said that Jay had threatened her. Now, at that particular time, Jay was somewhat on the verge of being kicked out of the group. Um, he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do, wasn't training, definitely wasn't studying, and he very rarely came around. So, of course, efforts had to be made to get rid of him. So we ended up kicking him out, but H was saying that he was still harassing her. So me and Sifu made a decision. We had to make an example of somebody. Every morning at school, Jay always walked past me to go to his class. So the next morning, when Jay walked past me, I called his name and I struck him in the face. And I continued to strike him until I was pulled off by a teacher. As I was being escorted up the hallway, Sifu came and he struck Jay as well. And we both were kicked out of school for that. We went to the pool hall. Well, my mom came and picked me up. We went to the pool hall and we talked about everything. Sifu told me how proud he was of me for what I did how I handled myself. Um, he told me that he didn't want me to have been the only person to get suspended. So he made sure that if I was going to get in trouble, then he was going to get in trouble. And it, it, it was so sincere. And there was no care. There was no feeling bad about the fact that I had just struck this dude or hurt this dude. There was nothing. But I mean, I had trained to that point because at this point, he had installed in me that that was the mission. So uh, when I finally returned back to school, the semester changed over. And my classes changed. So now I'm going to a different class. And I'll never forget, I had art class. I had gym in the morning, art class in the afternoon. And and I had a young man in both classes. His name, I will not say, but we'll use MB. So in my art class, MB decided that he was going to play a prank on me. And he hit me in the head with a ruler. Now, at that age, of course, we're all playing around. I mean, we're still, we're, we're older than young kids, but we're still engaged in this immature mentality. You know how it is with teenagers. So MB hits me in the back of the head with a ruler. So I turn around to MB and I tell MB, I said, if you hit me again, I'm going to get you. MB hits me in the head again. Now, to everybody that's listening, I don't condone bullying by no means. But what I did to him the next morning was beyond 
anything that anybody would have deserved. So I went home and I went to the pool hall and I told Sifu about what happened. And Sifu was mad. He was angry. He was upset. He was so upset that I didn't do anything about this right then. As far as Sifu was concerned, I should have destroyed MB right there in that art room and nobody should have been able to stop me. So Sifu said, tomorrow, if you don't go to that school and handle MB, then you are going to have to face me and the consequences that come along with it. So at that time, we rode the bus together, me and me and Sifu. And Kay, we rode the bus together. So that morning, I walked to Sifu's house. When I get there, he's prepping me, asking me, am I prepared? Am I ready? He gives me some shoes to wear that I don't normally wear. And we walk up to the bus, we get on the bus. And the whole time we're on the bus, he's talking to me. He's prepping me. He's he's idling me. He's getting me prepared mentally. So I go to gym and I go in the back. I put my books down and I wait for MB to come into the gym. And when MB comes in the gym, he comes in the back into the locker room. And I don't say anything. We don't talk. I don't discuss a single thing. I just begin my assault. And I punch him and I kick him. And there's blood and he's down and he's on the ground and I'm still punching him I'm still kicking him and he got up on his knees and I'm punching him and I'm kicking him and I mean I'm I'm destroying this guy physically and the only thing that goes through my head the entire time that I am inflicting pain to MB is I cannot disappoint Sifu I can't so the gym instructor comes in and he breaks up the fight or rather pulls me off and we're escorting up or being escorted up to the principal's office and while we're walking the thought process in my head i can't i cannot disappoint sifu and immediately even with the gym instructor there i continue my assault i spin around the gym instructor and kick mb in the face i struck him a couple more times before the gym instructor is able to get me away another teacher comes along and they assist he's able to get me away from mb and we go up front i was kicked out of school for the rest of that year and mb went to the hospital mb stayed in the hospital for a little while because he had internal bleeding and as he told the story later on he said that the hospital couldn't figure out how to keep him woke he sustained a lot of injury from my assault and as i rode home in my mom's car i didn't feel any remorse for what i did I didn't feel bad. I didn't feel upset. The only thing that I felt was joy that I had did what Sifu wanted me to do. And that's how it all began. All right. This was extremely long. And guys, to be honest with you, I have not even said half of what I had wrote down about the very beginning. So I'm going to have to continue this next week. I have ate up a lot of time talking to you guys about the beginning. But I really feel like there's a lot that's here in this in this phase, the first four years, that you need to know. So next week, instead of me moving completely on to my next phase, I'm going to jump back into a little bit more of the beginning so I can finish this out. So you'll know what happens um, 11th grade, 12th grade year before we get out of school. Um, so stay tuned stay informed there's more to come be careful be safe peace